I just prayed that I could be a dog. Uh, we have lots of different ways of saying of saying uh, that somebody has left this life. We'll say they've passed on or they've passed. They've passed away. Uh, they're with Jesus. They're in a better place. Uh, my mom said to my dad that he's, he's gone. Or we could just say dead. I don't say dead anymore. If I do, then I correct myself. Because the truth of the matter is we're not dead. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus was now, now lay sick, was the, one, the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. And that's where I want to stop, right there. So if you have your outline there, fill in the blank. Jesus told us the outcome. He told us the outcome before it actually took place. Ron Mel, my friend, who was not disingenuous normally, but in this instance was having a lot of fun. In Oregon, it used to be that there was a, an hour delay between Monday Night Football on TV and the radio. So it was on the radio first, then, and that was an hour later it started on, the, on TV. So he used to drive over to his friend's house and watch the football game, but he already knew you know, the first hour of what was going to happen. So he'd say, oh, he's going to miss this extra point. No, how much do you want to bet? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or they're going to make a touchdown or they're not going to make the third down or whatever. He had a lot of fun with that because he knew the outcome before. It makes a lot of difference if you know the outcome before something actually, actually takes place. So in this passage of Scripture, a little bit later on in the passage, uh, the Lord unpacks this idea of Lazarus being sick and he tells us the outcome before it happened. This sickness will not end in death. And it's really important you remember that. Before he raised Lazarus from the dead, everybody's mourning, he told them ahead of time, he says, He's not, this is not going to end in death. He told them way ahead of time. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then I love these last four words, do you believe this? So I've mentioned my dad before. He died when I was 19 years old. And I still have pictured in my mind that night when uh, and a couple of friends over at the house, we were visiting. Telephone rang and it was our next door neighbor who, who said, you need to come right away to your mom's house. Your mom asked me to call. So I didn't know what it was, but I knew something was seriously wrong or she wouldn't have called me that way. So I jumped in the car by myself, went down to my mom's house, and she was standing on the porch when I got there, and she was crying, and she, she kept saying over and over and over, Daddy's gone, Daddy's gone. And I thought at first, well, maybe did he leave my mom? What's, 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 what's happening? But I discovered that he was in the bathroom. He'd had a heart attack and, and was dead. So throughout that evening, people were crying, 
pretty normal. Called lots of our relatives, told them that my dad had passed away. Called the pastor, he came over. And, uh, and then I think it was the next day or maybe two days, my two brothers and I went down to the funeral home and looked at my dad. It's the first time I remember seeing somebody dead. And so it was kind of an eerie experience for me, but there he was. And I don't know if you've ever looked at a dead person or not, but if you look long enough, it looks like their eyes are actually going to open and move. It's really, it's a strange phenomenon. I don't, I don't know what that is. So then we had the funeral, lots of people at the funeral, of course. And, and uh, my uncle, who was a Baptist pastor, a dear man, preached my dad's funeral and really gave the gospel message. And then when he was through, he came and sat on the front row and, and put his head down in his hands and just wept. Now I look back on that a lot differently than I did at the time. I didn't cry, but a lot of people were, they were, they were grieving. And now I would, I, I would say, and I don't, mean this, I don't mean to sound callous when I say this, but what's all the fuss about? Why, why do we, we know why we grieve, that's a normal, natural thing, but why do we grieve like those who have no hope? It's amazing, it's, it's kind of amazing to me. Paul said, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? When I, when I look at my own death, which, you know, I'm not trying to be morbid or anything, but I... Who knows how long that could be this week? Who knows? I mean, I'm old. <laughs> so one of these days I'm going to die, and honestly, there's no sting to that for me. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid of that. Now, I might be afraid of how I would die, but I'm not afraid about death itself. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Because we know what's going to happen ahead of time. That should impact our behavior. It should impact our thinking. Uh, lots of my friends are getting old uh, just this past fall and winter. A, a couple who Ginger and I became very close to over the years, Steve and Marty Ghosts, uh, he uh, he was just old, 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 and he was getting sicker and sicker and sicker, and we knew he was going to die. When he died, it was like, I'm going to miss you, Steve. When Marty died, it was like, I'll see you later. That's kind of fun. I'll see you later. It's not grieving like the rest of men who have no hope. We're going to see him later. The, the next blank is, but, but it sure looks like they're dead. <laughs> when you look, we'll look at someone who, is, who has passed away. Uh, sure looks like they're dead. Lazarus was asleep. They, in fact, they put him in the, in the tomb. They wrapped him up in grave clothes and put him in the tomb. And from the time Jesus was told until the time he resurrected him, it was four days went by. And is there anybody who hasn't seen somebody that's dead? 
probably all I'll have, I guess. You have it yet? Okay. It's kind of a morbid thought, isn't it? I remember my friend in the town I lived in, the ambulance driver and the mortician were the same guy, which always made me a little bit nervous. <laughs> but uh, but they had this they had this uh, Morgantown, and I had a friend at the that worked with me at the grocery store. His name was Stan Toms, and he was gonna I needed to, I was gonna help him move a washing machine, so so he took me down to the morgue. And I said, hey, come on, I don't want to go in there. And I'd, I'd, you know, I'd never seen anybody dead at that point. And uh, he said, no, it'll be fine. So I could picture him walking me around the mortuary and then taking me in a room where there's a dead body, you know, just to be funny. And I didn't want that to happen. So I was really cautious, and he was kind of making the most of it as he led me around the, around the mortuary. But when you see somebody that's gone... When you see somebody dying, which I'll talk about in a minute, it's very strange. When you see somebody that's already already uh, passed away, my dad, for example, is laying in the casket and his eyes are closed and his hands were, were like this and his hands didn't look like they usually looked. His face didn't look quite like it usually looked. And, and yet, it looks like they could just open their eyes at any minute. It's a very, very strange thing. Look, but, but when you look at them, it looks like they're dead. But Jesus said, you will never die. Now, now remember those words, do you believe this? Jesus said, you would never die. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So I always say at a funeral, some people believe that you come to this point we call death, and that's just the end. Just, there's nothing after that. You just it's like going to sleep and you don't wake up. For other people, other religions, you know, you recycle and you keep getting better or worse as you recycle depending upon how you live your life. But Jesus said, we come to this point that we call death and you simply transition into another existence. And that's no surprise to any of you, but I don't know if we really think about that or not. What's it going to be like? When you close your eyes and you're standing in the presence of Jesus. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? That takes the sting away from death. I had the privilege of being with Ben when Ben went to be with the Lord. Uh, Rob Griggs was there and I was there and and uh, Dawson was, was in the room part of the time and then Rob left and I think it was just Dawson and I in the room when Ben's breathing got it crackles. You've heard you've heard somebody probably dying, and uh, and then it it always just amazes me. It's just like a breath, just a breath away, and they're gone. And then uh, the family came in the room and spent some time, you know talking to Ben, though he was gone. And uh, it always humbles me to see someone pass away. It's just a breath. I've, I want you to know something. I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason ahead of time. I have a burial plot for Ginger and I at Yellowstone 
cemetery. It's on the, on the end of Grand Avenue, out on, out on Grand Avenue toward Shiloh. Are you all listening? I have a burial plot there. And Ginger and I have a different view about what you should do with a dead person. I think you should bury them. Ginger thinks you should burn them up. Please don't let Ginger burn me up. That's one of the most horrible things I can imagine is, is being cremated. I mean, I know I'm not going to be aware of it, but don't let her get away with it. Don't let her, don't let her say it's cheaper or, you know, whatever. I have a burial plot and it's paid for. So I'll come back and haunt you if you don't stick with that. So Jesus said, you will never die. And then he said, do you believe this? Now think seriously about this. Do you believe in Jesus? Two or three times I've had somebody say, I'll ask him, when did you become a Christian? I'll say, I've always been a Christian. No, you haven't. We're not born into this world as Christians. There's a moment in time where we decide whether we'll be a Christian or not. I understand people saying, well, I've always believed in Jesus. I have too. My earliest memory, I, I don't ever remember a time in my life when I didn't believe in Jesus. I'm not talking about saving faith. I'm just talking about I believe that he was the son of God. I believe that he came from heaven and died on the cross for my sins. I believed all that, but I wasn't always a Christian. There was a moment in time where I decided, Jesus, I will follow you. I give my life to you. So I was at the, at the Divide, the restaurant out on the West End, a few Sundays ago. Ginger and I ate lunch there, and, and we came out and got in the car. And as I was walking around the car to get in, I opened the door, and I heard, heard this window, and the car next to me rolled down, and I heard this voice that said, Pastor Stan. So I stepped back, closed the door, and walked over, and looked in the, in the cab of this truck that was sitting next to me and this woman that I didn't recognize. She said, and she started, she started got, all, got all teared up and choked up. She says, you're the reason that I'm a Christian. And I said, oh gosh, thank you for you know, telling me. Because I've seen 21,000 hands go up, but you don't always hear the story. And... She was very emotional, and it obviously happened more than seven or eight or nine years ago because I've been gone that long. And she said, you're the reason I'm a, I'm a Christian. And, it, and it, it makes you know there's a point in time when she raised her hand, and she looked at me, and she said, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ today. And it obviously made a difference in her life. So this should change how we see death. And I hope it does for you. It should remove the fear of death. I've told you about Lois. Lois looked like Catherine Kuhlman, for people who know who she is. And she was terrified to die. And her kids were terrified of everything. And she'd, she literally called me every day for the first two or three years I was at Faith Chapel. She'd call me every day or come down to the church and ask me to pray for her, one of her kids because she was afraid they were going to die or she was afraid she was going to die. And... Uh, you, you may remember me saying to her on her deathbed, Lois, what does the Bible say? And she said, all men are liars. <laughs> That's what she came up with. All men, all men are liars. So 
I tried to convince her that she was never going to die, but she believed it here, but she didn't believe it here. And that's a, that's a frightening thing. But this really should temper our grief. When someone in your family dies, when, when a friend of yours dies, this should impact. I mean, I watched this church when Ben died, and, and I know that we didn't talk about it a lot publicly, but everybody went through a grieving time. But it wasn't a panic time. We knew where Ben was. We knew, we knew where, he, where he was. So it wasn't something that, that terrified us. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, I want you to notice these words. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then we joke about the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Now what I want you to think about is why did Jesus weep? Now I've talked about this before, so you may remember it, but most people believe that Jesus wept because Lazarus died. Why would Jesus weep when Lazarus died? He said before, I'm going to raise him up again. This, this will not end in death. Jesus knew the outcome of what was going to happen here. So the word where it says Jesus wept, it literally means he was troubled, he was deeply moved, he was indignant, is, is one way of the, interpreting He was indignant or upset. Why was he upset? He was upset because he told them that he wasn't going to die. He died and they wept without hope. So he was indignant about it. So is Jesus indignant if you grieve when somebody dies? Well, it, it depends on how you grieve. If you grieve like the rest of men who have no hope, that's a little frustrating. There's a natural process of grieving that takes place that's normal and fine with the Lord. But if we grieve like people who have no hope, that's probably a little irritating to the Lord, I would suspect. It certainly was in, in this case. And it should change how you see life. And fill in the blank, it should change our perspective of money, possessions, and goals. So I've told you before about going to Red Lodge, sitting by the fireplace, and thinking about two people who had died and two people who had almost died that previous year. And this phrase came to my mind, if you know, if you know you're going to die, it will change how you live. It'll change your view of possessions, It'll change your goals. It'll change your view of money. It'll change your view, obviously, of death itself. So Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, it talks about treasures in heaven. So if I invest in peaches, and peaches invest in me, that's a treasure in heaven. You're investing in something, someone that's going to live forever. That's the only eternal thing, is, is you and, and other people. It also should give us the hope of eternal life. In Titus, Paul says, For, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness, and worldly possessions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing 
of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know how much you think about this, but I've thought about it a lot the last couple of years about, about Jesus right now and what it must be to live in his presence. Recently, I've, I've, I've had this picture come to my mind of, of Jesus on the throne. And, and the, the point is that just the immensity of who he is and how powerful he is would help us obey, it would help us worship, to know the magnificence of Jesus and that one day I'll close my eyes and just be in his presence. It's a marvelous, marvelous thought. Now when I say this should impact your life, maybe today you'd think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid of death anymore. I'm not going to grieve like the rest of the men who have no hope. When 9-11 when happened, Ginger and I went to New York a month later. Airfares were real cheap. I don't remember what it cost, but there were only two or three people on this airplane that we were on. There was just nobody was flying. They were afraid to. We stayed at a, at a hotel on Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center. It was 200 and some dollars a night. It's about $650 a night now, just in normal times. Uh, we went down to ground zero, and there was still, there was still uh, ash on all the buildings that were around where the, where the building fell. You could smell the smoke and the death. And we went, in, I'll never forget this, we went in this deli. What's the real famous deli in New York? It's on Broadway, I don't remember. Anyway, we went in this deli and we were eating our lunch and all of a sudden, all the waitresses came out and they start, started singing, God Bless America. And I sat there thinking, oh gosh, this is, I never thought I would ever see this happen. People just spontaneously singing God Bless America right you know, in front of everybody. And I came back home and church attendance the week after 9-11 spiked. We had to put chairs out in the lobby at Faith Chapel. And two weeks later, back to normal. So my hope, because I've talked about this passage before, my hope is that in thinking about this, this would change your perspective of life and it would change your perspective of death and that you wouldn't let ginger burn me. <laughs> Lord, we pray this morning that we would not have a fear of death. Some of us may die this next year. Who knows? If we do, we don't want to be afraid of that, nor do we want to grieve like the rest of the people who have no hope. But we do believe you. We believe these words that you spoke, that the person who believes in you will never die that they will simply transition into another existence. And Lord, this morning I pray for the church. I pray that there would not be fear in the midst of the time that we're in right now. It would be so easy to... When I, when I heard that the coronavirus was now in, in Billings, fear almost came upon me. And, I, and I'm grateful that you, you helped me with that. Help us not be afraid. 
Help us love our neighbor, be a blessing to people by staying clean and staying away from each other for a while. But help us be an example of people who would be, be calm in the midst of a challenge like this. Maybe this would even give us an opportunity at some point to talk to somebody about Jesus. So help us walk through this time, though we won't be meeting together here. We'll be meeting together online and still faithfully contributing to your work by being a blessing to other people and a blessing to the church. So we love you and give you thanks today. Let's stand together and worship the Lord as we conclude our time.